Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm Brian Moran, and today I want to welcome Jay Bear to our show. Jay is a Hall of Fame keynote speaker and MC, a New York Times bestselling author of six books, including his latest effort, Talk Triggers, The Complete Guide to Creating Customers with Word of Mouth, co-written by Daniel Lemon. And Jay is also the founder of Convince and Convert, a digital marketing consultancy. I'd like to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Jay Bear. Brian, my man, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Likewise. And, and Jay, I'm a huge fan. I, you know, we, we've seen each other a lot at different conferences and events. Usually I'm in the audience while you're up on stage. <laughs> I don't know about that. And I'm a huge, huge I, I, you make it seem so natural. And I'm telling you, it's like, you know, it's like watching a great concert. You're like, this is why they play the arenas and the stadiums and the rest of us play the the nightclubs. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very, very kind of you. Uh, I, I have always been very comfortable with the microphone, uh, even in high school, you know, even as like a sophomore, they're like, jail. MC the talent show. He's not afraid. Uh, so I've been been doing it a long time. And some people are just deathly afraid of public speaking. Certainly not you, but a lot of people are, as you know, and that's never been the case for me. And also, you know, you do a thousand speeches, eventually you learn something. There you go. Well, you, you definitely have, have turned it into an art form, uh, which I love. But, uh, you know, today, so today we're going to be talking about your latest book, which you co-wrote with Dan Lemon. Yeah. It's called Talk Triggers, The Complete Guide to Creating Customers with Word of Mouth. And I have to tell you, so I, I you know, I'm, my company, one of my companies, we help uh, business owners and entrepreneurs run better businesses. And this book, I'm going to recommend to every single oh, one you. of them because um, this is like the secret to the universe. When, when you talk about how to stand out in a noisy, crowded world and, you know, people who are, you know, coming into your store and then they're buying stuff online, you know, how do you, how do you get them to stay? How, to, how do you get them to be talking about your business when you're not around? I really think that a lot of the information that you and, and Daniel offer in this book is, is really going to level the playing field for um, a lot of my clients. So... Why don't we start with that? So I guess I answered my first question. Who is this book written for? <laughs> well, I think it's, yeah, it's everybody, uh, everybody, everybody who owns a business, everybody who manages a business, or anybody who's responsible for getting more customers. Right. And so the next question I know my audience is, is wondering is, what exactly is a talk trigger? But you talked a little bit about about why it's important. I mean, one of my observations is that marketing is more expensive than ever. And mm-hmm. marketing is more complicated uh, than ever. And, and in both of those create problems for the small, medium-sized business owner or manager. At the same time, Brian, the, the original form of marketing, word of mouth, is still the most effective and most cost-effective form of customer acquisition. If you want to break through, if you want to create new customers uh, with a minimum amount of expense, the best way to do that is is to turn your customers into volunteer marketers, to turn your customers into your most powerful sales and marketing resource. And I think we all know that to be true intuitively, right? If I, if I say, hey, uh, business owners, word of mouth is important. Like no one's going to argue that with me. Right. I'll, I'll put a little math around it. 
approximately 50% of all purchases are influenced by word of mouth. And you can't say that you can't say that about any other form of marketing or advertising. You just can't, right? So not only is word of mouth important, it is the most important. But here's the part that is crazy in why we wrote this book. Fundamentally, nobody has an actual word of mouth strategy. Right? You've got a you've got a content marketing strategy, social media strategy, public relations strategy, sales strategy, customer service strategy, crisis management strategy, hiring and recruiting strategy. You got a whole desk full of strategies, but the right. one that you don't have is the one that you probably need, which is an actual word of mouth strategy. See, we just take word of mouth for granted. We just assume that customers will talk about us, but left to their own devices, that's not actually the way the world works. So, a talk trigger is an operational differentiator that you use purposefully and strategically to create conversation. It's something that you do differently that customers notice and talk about. Because the key to word of mouth sounds simple, but it's not really. The key to word of mouth is to give your customers a story to tell. Right. And and in the book, you give, you know, dozens of really good examples. You know, the graduate hotels are one that comes to mind mm-hmm. or uh, the Cheesecake Factory and their menu. Right. So the, these these um, talk trigger strategies. So the Cheesecake Factory has was it 90, 90, 95 um, uh Chicken dishes. Yes. Too, too, <laughs> some would say too many, but just enough to be talkable, right? I mean, the right. the menu itself is uh, is is almost six thousand words long, which is a lot. Right, and but that's that's as you say, that's a talk trigger. That's going to differentiate them. I mean, you're going to find something that you like on that menu. Yeah, and and we did a study on that case uh, the case example in particular. Daniel and I, and found that 38% of the Cheesecake Factory's customers have told a story about that menu in the last 30 days. So you think about how big that company is, they have, you know, hundreds of locations, 38% right. of everybody who walks in the door tells somebody else about that. Let me ask you this parallel question. When's the last time you saw a Cheesecake Factory ad? Like kind of, almost, like kind of almost never yeah. because yeah. they don't have to. The, the menu is the ad and the customers are the media buy. They, they become right. the customers become the marketing. Right. Right. That's interesting. All right. So next question that I know I'm, I'm thinking on behalf of my listeners, um, how hard is it? I mean, when, it, when I think about the small business owners out there and even the midsize companies just hustling to stay up with mm-hmm. the technology innovations and the changing customer demographics and the increased competition, that's, it, it, you know, it seems like they're getting it on all sides. If, if they haven't developed, uh, to your earlier point, a successful word of mouth strategy, how hard is it for them to develop one now? It's both harder and easier than you think. Okay. Um, the, the biggest mistake you can make when you're trying to create a word of mouth program is to just sit around and brainstorm ideas. Uh, because if it was that, if it was that easy, you already have yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the first thing that I would say. Mm-hmm. I would say, okay, you know, take a walk and, and start brainstorming about what would make you different. So yes. you're saying that's the wrong approach. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Because, <laughs> because word of mouth programs fail for only three reasons. Either A, it doesn't really resonate with customers. Mm-hmm. Because let me just let me just diverge on that for just a second. The mistake that we make in business, all of us, 
like universally, is that we have convinced ourselves that competency creates conversation. That if you just run a competent business, that customers will notice and talk about that, but they don't because all your competition is also competent. Like I, I don't know everybody listening. I'm sure I know some of you. I know this for sure though, Brian, nobody has ever said, hey, let me tell you about this perfectly adequate experience I just had. Like, no, right. it's, it's not a story right. worth telling, right? So, so what works as a word of mouth device is something that customers don't expect, right? If they expect it, there's no need to tell a story about it. And, and right. so one of the reasons that word of mouth programs fail is that you do something that you think customers don't expect, or you think is really novel and interesting, but they don't find it novel and interesting. And that happens when people try to come up with ideas that they haven't actually validated with customers. So in our system, and, and Talk Triggers really is a complete system uh, for word of mouth, we recommend and really insist upon a fairly rigorous routine of customer interviews to determine what people expect. Because the gold in the river, the talk trigger, the, the thing that is noticed and discussed is always something that they don't expect. So that's the first reason it fails. Okay. Second, second way it fails is if you don't deliver it consistently, right? If you don't mm. actually um, make it universally true, every customer gets access to it. Uh, you know, if it falls into, well, we forgot to do it today, or uh, Bob was out and Bob's usually in charge of that thing, inconsistency kills word of mouth programs. And mm -hmm. so our process requires you to really think through the operational element of that. And let me just say this, like, we, we, we always talk about uh, word of mouth marketing, but mm -hmm. it's not really marketing, Brian. It's really operations, that creates a marketing advantage, but it's not really marketing in the classic sense. It's something that you do differently and that has to be executed consistently. So um, when you just go to brainstorm, sometimes you haven't thought through all the operational realities and that can create problems. And then right. the third one that that is a killer is if um, your competition or sort of other people in the world either either mimics the idea or somebody else is doing it that you didn't know about, et cetera. And so uh, you, you have to be nimble enough to say, we have a process for coming up with these ideas. And if all of a sudden this idea doesn't work and you got to change horses, you have a system for doing that. That seems like, you're right when you say it, it seems like a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, and so when we do it, when we do it as a consultant, right? So we have a consulting firm. But mm -hmm. you mentioned the intro, and we do this for for clients. Um, it's usually sixty days um, from from hey, we want to do this to hey, here's the idea, start rolling it out. Okay, so now which we're is, talking about the whole book, right? I mean, that's that's why yeah. you know. So now, now you you create a, a talk trigger for mm -hmm. a client, mm -hmm. and is there an expectation about how long? You know, like with the Cheesecake Factory and their menus or the graduate hotels and their room keys, yeah. you know, that's a, that is a, an ongoing yes. talk trigger. I mean, that's it's, it's that's always the hope, right? The, the hope is that you, yeah. can, you can use it forever. Yeah. Some cases you can, some cases you can. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, you know, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, right? So, sure. so they had a talk trigger for 30 years. It was, we'll pick you up. Right. They were the only guys who would pick you up. Uh, they would drop off the car. They'd pick you up and give you a ride home. Yeah. Hertz wouldn't do that. Budget wouldn't do that. Avis wouldn't do that. And that was a super effective talk trigger for a long time until Uber. Now I can just press a button on my phone and get a ride wherever, whenever. I don't need the weird rental car kid to drop me off. It doesn't, yeah. make, any, it doesn't make any sense anymore. So they don't use that as a talk trigger anymore because the world changed around them. And sometimes that happens. But, but the assumption 
when you do these kind of word of mouth programs is that you'll be able to use it well into the future. It doesn't always work like that, but that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Can, can talk triggers be seasonal? I've never really thought of it that way in particular. Uh, I think it could be. My my recommendation would be to have the same general idea, but then perhaps vary an element of it seasonally. Okay. And can you have more than one talk trigger? Great question. Yeah. I, I talk about this a lot. You can, but we don't typically recommend it because it's like, you're trying to take all of your customers' sort of word of mouth power and and direct it to one story. If mm-hmm. you give them one story to tell, the chances of them telling that story are greater than if you give them multiple stories to tell. Where We're actually doing an online course right now, uh, the Word of Mouth Marketing Masterclass, and we're working with 50 small and medium-sized businesses to, to, to build talk triggers for them in a group setting. And we had that question last week in our call, and and what Daniel and I said was, you can do more than one, but the best practice would be to only do that if group one is really unlikely to to see what group two says about the talk trigger, right? So if you've yeah. got like um, in a bigger company environment, you might say, hey, we're going to have one talk trigger for customers in Europe and one talk trigger for customers in North America, because the chances of those two streams crossing is not likely. If the streams are going to cross, it just gets confusing for the customers. So the idea of a talk trigger, I mean, because your customers buy you from you for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Some might buy on convenience, some might buy on quality, some might buy on price or whatever other reason. You know, you create those personas of customers. Um, But the idea is that a talk trigger is to get people talking about your brand, Mm -hmm. which would ultimately lead to a purchase or repeat purchasing. That's right. It really creates a means to an end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's pretty unlikely that the talk trigger creates revenue directly or per se. It's more that we spend so much time, money, effort, drama, trying to build awareness, whether it's social media advertising or print advertising or direct mail or public relations or whatever. That list is endless, right? Mm -hmm. We spend such a large percentage of our communications budgets on awareness creation. And the most effective way to do that is to just have your customers do it, to for have them tell their friends, hey, guess what? I was at this hotel recently and the room key didn't just have the logo on it. The room key was a student ID card of a famous graduate of yeah. that university, which is the talk trigger for graduate hotels. You know, right. Every time a customer tells that story, that's a potential customer that I don't have to spend money on to have them know about me. But that, And that's such an important point. Because a lot of times we attach anything that that business owners do, they like to attach ROI to it. Mm-hmm. They want it. They want to get it as closely to revenue as they possibly can. And the the it's imperative that they understand that a talk trigger will create top of the funnel conversations that That's will it. lead people into the yes. pipeline that they ultimately become a customer. Mm-hmm. But if everybody's talking about the room keys or the menu or whatever the talk trigger is, it's going to get other people 
to want to check it out themselves. Yeah, precisely. Like we said, I mean, Cheesecake Factory doesn't advertise. Doubletree Hotels barely advertises. Um, almost every single example in the book, and as you said, there's dozens and dozens of examples yeah. for all types of businesses, B2B, B2C, a lot of small business examples. Uh, almost none of those companies advertise much at all because they don't have to. I mean, the the, the talk trigger and the word of mouth strategy uh, takes on that role. Now, we, we actually have a whole section in the book on measuring uh, word of mouth and measuring talk right. triggers. There are lots of things you can do uh, to understand how it's working, how well it's working, but it's not obviously going to be uh, as, as data-driven as, um, I don't know, measuring uh, measuring revenue generated from a link in an email, for example, right? I mean, yeah. it's, you know, 50% of word of mouth is offline, which makes it somewhat harder to measure. Uh, and usually it's not, you know, I tell you a story and you immediately run out and buy the thing. That's not usually how it works. Even if you're hungry, you know, if I tell you the story about Cheesecake Factory, the giant menu, you're probably not going to drop everything, jump in the car uh, and go to the nearest Cheesecake Factory. But, right. you know, three right. weeks down the line, you're like, you know what we should do? I want to see just how big that menu is. Right. I do want to go to Cheesecake Factory. Now, can you can right. you run an attribution model on that? You can. Uh, it just gets a little, a little tricky, especially for small and medium-sized businesses. You know, mm-hmm. at some level, I always ask this question and only partially um, in jest. Sometimes you have to ask yourself the question, What's the ROI of precisely knowing your ROI? Right. That's one for a Friday morning meeting where you can all scratch out your <laughs> yeah. notes, right? Well, but, and, but, and every time somebody buys golf balls with your logo on, I was like, well, what's the ROI on that? Like, you know, it's kind yeah. of tough to, to run an attribution model on uh, on those kind of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's anecdotal. It's, yep. you know, when somebody comes up to you and talks to you about it, you know, in a totally different setting, you know, and they're talking about your your company or your brand and saying, hey, you know, I heard people talking about this. That's when you know you're, you've kind of hit the right talk trigger. Yeah. And it can be, I mean, you think about what how much people pay for reach, whether it's oh, yeah. Ryan has on Facebook or anything else. I'll, I'll give you a little uh, math on this. So Doubletree Hotels is one of the case studies in the book. And uh, a lot of people know their talk trigger. You get a warm chocolate chip cookie when you mm-hmm. check in at a Doubletree Hotel. They've been doing that every day around the world for 30 years, 30 years. Wow. They will today, as we're having this conversation and tomorrow and the day after, they will give out uh, roughly 75,000 cookies today worldwide. Wow. It's a lot of, it's a lot of chocolate chip cookies, right? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. we did uh, a giant survey of Doubletree customers for the book. And we found that 34% of them have told a story about the cookie. Now, if you if you run the, the analysis on that, what that means, Brian, is that today, 22,500 people will tell a story about that cookie. That's worth a lot of money to that brand. Yeah, exactly. A total, I mean, totally agree. So, so if you do this right, uh, the ROI isn't even a question. So when when thinking about talk triggers, because our audience is probably 50-50 in terms of B2B and yeah. B2C sure. customers. So if I'm a B, B2C is easy, right? You, you know, you, you see your customers retail are coming in and the talk trigger is an easy one to figure out, easier mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. But is it is it harder for a B2B company to develop a talk trigger? No, I think it's actually easier. Uh, and 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 more effective for a couple mm-hmm. of reasons. Um, one, I mentioned that fifty percent of all purchases are influenced by word of mouth. Right. In B two B, that number is ninety one percent. 
of B2B purchases are influenced by word of mouth. Nobody buys nothing in B2B without checking with a current customer first or, or, you know, hearing about it from a friend or or looking at social media or ratings and reviews. Like, you know, it, it just, it just is. That's how things are purchased. So uh, word of mouth has a massive impact on B2B that's far greater than B2C, actually. Second thing is, uh, it seems like, I don't know how this has happened necessarily, but it has definitely happened. Most B2B companies seem to be ritually addicted to being boring. They just feel <laughs> like, hey, you know, I'm just telling, yeah. I'm just, I'm just reporting the news here, right? They, they just right, sort of feel right. like, well, we're selling to other businesses, therefore we can't do anything very, you know, controversial or interesting or noteworthy because that makes right. us seem frivolous or I don't know exactly <laughs> what the problem is. Right. One of our observations, both in the book and in our consulting practice, is that B2B talk triggers, mm-hmm. when executed correctly end up being much more successful than most B2C talk triggers. Because again, word of mouth is about being unexpected. And customers expect so little uh, from B2B organizations other than just sort of routine blocking and tackling mm-hmm. that when you just give them a little extra something, man, they just they just eat it up. So we love, love, love uh, B2B opportunities. We think it's really interesting. Uh, and And yes, you may not have as many customers but you typically have a tighter relationship with the customers that you do have. Consequently, it actually, in some cases, is easier to execute on uh, a sort of a customer experience differentiator because you, you sort of know who the customers are. Where it gets right. a little tricky and sometimes in B2B is when your customers are indirect. So we're working on a program right now where where it's a distributor model, right? So the, the manufacturer, which is my client, sells to distributors, distributors sell to the end user. Right. And and so you you, you kind of have to figure some of that stuff out sometimes, which can be a little tricky, but uh, but but B2B is a huge word of mouth opportunity. Wow. Okay. I, I, I'm honestly, I'm taking notes as you're right. I know I can listen to this after, but some of this just resonates. And I, I know, again, our listeners are shaking their heads going, wow, this totally makes sense. So let's break down a talk trigger. Sure. Uh, you have in the book four criteria for effective talk triggers. Yes. What are we yes. talking about? The four R's, right? Why don't we yeah, talk so about the, them? You bet. So the book itself is is actually structured in a four, five, six system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and let me tell you why that's true. There's a lot of good books out there about word of mouth. And there always has been. Uh, most of the authors of those books were interviewed for talk triggers. A lot of them are friends and colleagues of, of Daniels and myself, but the world did not need another book, which was word of mouth is important because, okay, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. What we didn't, what we didn't have and is what has never existed uh, until we wrote this book is an actual system to, okay, here's how you do it. There's a lot of books that say you should do it, but nobody's ever said, here's how. So that's why this book is, is different. And in the four or five, six structure does just that. So it's four requirements for a talk trigger, mm-hmm. five types of talk triggers, and then a six step process for creating your own four or five, six. The, the first batch of those, as you mentioned, is the four requirements of a talk trigger. We sometimes call it the four R's because, and get ready for this, because each of these words um, begins with R. <laughs> which I right. thought was pretty, pretty novel. Right. That's impressive. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, my mom's an English teacher. It helps. So the, <laughs> the first thing is the talk trigger has to be remarkable, remarkable, meaning in the classic sense of that word, it is worthy of remark. It is a story worth telling because if nobody wants to tell the story, cause it's not very interesting, it's not going to be told. 
right? Nobody ever says, hey, guess what? I uh, I went over to the corner, right? And uh, I flicked this switch and check this out. Lights came on. Right, right. Like it's just not a story. It's not remarkable. People know that's going to happen. So uh, non-negotiable has to be remarkable. Second thing is uh, it has to be repeatable. And this is where talk triggers and word of mouth strategy uh, separates from kind of viral marketing. And I'm throwing up my air quotes now for listeners. Yeah. Talk trigger is offered to all customers at the same point in the customer journey. It's not only your best customers. It's not just new customers. It's not uh, only on your birthday or ladies night or as some sort of uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day stunt or whatever. It's just, it's an operational element. It's just a thing that you do. It's, it's not- a, It's a double tree. Chocolate yeah, it's a cookie. Cook. Yeah, everybody gets yeah. a cookie. It's not just like Thursdays is cookie night. Everybody yeah. gets a cookie. Um, and, and, and it's important because there's a lot of philosophy now in marketing that you want to use surprise and delight, right? You're going right. to take one customer and treat them extraordinarily well or differently and hope that they create a story that then goes viral. And that might work. Uh, but I would much rather have a strategy that I know is going to work because we're just going to execute the same thing every day forever, right? right. So re, uh, repeatable is a key one. Uh, third one is is uh, is reasonable, meaning that it doesn't have to be uh, massive. In fact, w- what we find is that when you do something that's too big, it actually creates suspicion, not conversation. We see this in B2B a lot. Uh, in B2B, a lot of times people think, geez, you know, Attention's hard to come by and, you know, we got a lot of competition for attention. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a contest, see, and we're going to have every customer, uh, potential customer um, submit a, a form and then we're going to have a drawing and, and the winner of this drawing is going to win an island. You're like, wait, what? An island? A car? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you, a condo? Like, what are you talking about, right? So you, yeah. you try to do something like really, really big yeah. uh, to get attention. But when it's so big, people are like, wait a second. Like, what's the catch here? Like, yeah. am I going to have to buy software? Like what, you know, it just it it just becomes uh, too good to be true. Consumers right. are suspicious now, right? And probably rightfully so. And, and so what we find is that keeping the talk trigger realistic and reasonable uh, gives you a much better chance of, of success because people don't doubt it. So you, you want to make it different enough to be remarkable, but not so big that it becomes untrustworthy. Right. And you have no chance of winning. Like, I'm not yeah. going to win that island. I, right. You're like, yeah. whatever. This is a scam yeah. of some sort. Yeah. The fourth one is it should be relevant, meaning that the best talk triggers make sense in the context of who you are and and what you're about. Um, so we, we mentioned Doubletree Hotels and the warm mm-hmm. chocolate chip cookie thing. There are uh, 14 hotel brands in the Hilton portfolio. You've got the Conrad, you've got regular Hilton, Doubletree, Hilton Garden Inn, Hampton Inn, uh, Homewood Suites, et cetera, et cetera. Each of those hotel brands has their own brand positioning because of course they want to avoid as best they can um, competing with one another for the same traveler because that becomes really inefficient to have essentially 14 divisions all going after the same traveler. Sure. So they each have their own kind of shtick. Doubletree's brand position has been for quite a long time now. They call it the warm welcome, the warm welcome. They they want to own that whatever it is, seven, eight minutes between when you set foot on the property and you set foot in your room. 
Subsequently, they put uh, more time, money, effort in lobby design than most hotels at that price point, and they spend more time, money, effort on front desk clerk training than most hotels at that price point. And the cookie is a big part of that because it is not just a pile of cookies on the counter. That would not be terribly interesting or remarkable. It is a warm chocolate chip cookie. They have an oven in every hotel. Clerk turns around, goes to the oven, takes out a cookie, puts it in a a paper sack, and then hands it to you. It's a hand-to-hand pass. That's brand standard. They have to hand it to you, not just lay it on the counter. Hand-to-hand pass. Warm cookie, warm welcome. Right. If if you walked in the double tree and they said, "Hey, here's a Caesar salad," you're like, "Wait, what?" And that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a certain amount of authenticity and sincerity right. and, as you say, relevance to that. Right. A Caesar yeah, salad. If you try to do something, if you try to do something fake, right? If you try to do yeah. something for attention only, people understand what you're trying to do. Right. You know, uh, and and they reject it. If it's like, "Hey, we're just going to rent an elephant and walk it down Main Street," it's like, "Well, what does that have to do with anything?" Right. And, and that's also not repeatable. Exactly. And, you can only get so many elephants. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is fantastic. I, I love every part of this conversation that we're having. Thanks. And, I, and I have to tell you, the, the book is, you know, we're launching a new company. We're going to be building a uh, global platform for business owners. And this is your book. It's going to be an integral part of our conversations with our developer and my editor moving forward. That's great. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. So I, I really appreciate this. And I'm going to, uh, so I'm not only, what is it? I'm not only the podcast host, I'm a customer. <laughs> <laughs> right, I appreciate that. There Hopefully people will, will want to pick it up. If a couple of things on that one, uh, if you go to talktriggers.com, there's a tremendous amount of, of uh, free resources um, associated with the, the system in the book. Uh, there's discussion guides, there's infographics, there's videos, there's research. So there's a lot of stuff you can get, even if you don't want to buy the book. However, I hope you buy the book. Uh, and if you do, there is a talk trigger, uh, for the book talk triggers, which I probably stands to reason, uh, actually too. the hardcover of the book has, uh, alpacas on the cover, a yep. big picture of alpacas and it's, and it's hot pink, uh, cause we wanted the book to stand out on the shelf, of course. But more importantly, Brian, if people buy the book and they don't love it, uh, we will buy you any other book in the world that you want. Any book. And it's happened one time so far out of the many thousands and thousands and thousands of books we've sold. Yeah. We had a guy who said, I don't like the book. And he asked us to buy him a $152 like book on programming that's now out of print. We're like, fine, bought it for him. I asked him, I said, hey, how come he didn't like the book? And I didn't expect this answer. He said, there were too many case studies. And I thought... So the first time I've heard that about a business book, there's too much evidence here, too much proof. <laughs> so I thought, okay, right. 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 We made the offer and we still, we stand by it and we will for your listeners as well. If anybody doesn't like it, you let me know. I'll buy anything else you want. What I love is find, I'm wondering if you find out how many people uh, have torn out the index cards that you put in the back. Yeah. The you like that one too. Yeah. I did. So I yeah, did. In the hard copy, we've got, uh, uh, like palm cards and they're all perforated and it says, you know, here's this book, talk trigger, hope you like it. You should buy it, whatever. So yeah, we actually, we actually made it easier to recommend it by putting uh, cards in the book that allow you to tear them out and, and hand them to people. Thanks. Right. Oh, absolutely. So uh, talktriggers.com is where yep. you can go for uh, good information, infographics, but you're also doing a show. I know, right? A weekly yeah. show called talk triggers. Yeah, I started a new show a, a few weeks ago called The Talk Triggers Show. And every Tuesday, 
uh, I launch a new episode and it's only six minutes long. And it is actually a case study, a story about an organization that has an amazing talk trigger. Uh, most of them are small and medium-sized businesses, both B2B and B2C. It's really, really fun. Uh, it's a YouTube show, and you can go to talktriggersshow.com uh, to, to find the playlist. But it's also a podcast for those who prefer audio only. And if you go to anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Alexa, uh, and just uh, look for Talk Triggers Show, uh, you'll find it. It's a blast. That's awesome. And, of course, you can get the book. Amazon. I mean, that's where I got my... All the places and ways that uh, books can be uh, procured. In fact, a very successful audio book as well that uh, was read by uh, Daniel and myself. So if you like to listen to books in the car, we got you covered. You know what? That's interesting. Is this the first book? So you have bought your six books that you mm-hmm. read. Is this the first that you've done audio or you do... No, all of them. All six. All of them. I'm definitely... You did another book, which I haven't read yet, but I've I've heard great things about it. It's Hug Your Haters. Yes, yeah, so that's my... Haters. But everybody I know is talking about Hug Your Haters. So maybe that's a book that I will listen to in the audio format. All right. We are in the home stretch. And I'm, I'm, I'm mad that, that I we can't take this another half hour. But maybe we'll have you back on. Um, last question that I want to ask you. And I know, again, thinking of my listeners and the, some of the biggest issues that they have around social media. A lot yeah. of them don't get social media and the importance of it and um, and and engagement and whatnot. But how important is social media in terms of word of mouth marketing? Here's the way I think about that. Um, 50% of word of mouth is online. Mm-hmm. And social media is a big part of that 50%. With ratings and review sites, you know, Yelp, TripAdvisor, G2 Crowd, you know, discussion boards and forums, et cetera. Um, So social media is certainly uh, an important way that word of mouth uh, spreads. The the challenge I have is that a lot of people think that social media is word of mouth. And, and, And that's that's like saying that the tube that holds the toothpaste is toothpaste. Right. 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 So, so right. in that in that perhaps tortured analogy, um, word of mouth is the toothpaste. It is the story that people tell about you. Social media is the tube. It's the thing that holds the story. Now, anecdotally and algorithmically, what we're seeing, especially with Facebook's most recent announcements about changes to how they're going to go about uh, social media in general, right. What I will tell you as somebody who who runs a, a a global social media consulting firm is that this idea that that your business is going to be able to use social media uh, for free to attract new customers is not going to happen. Like that game is over. And, right. and I don't mean I'm not saying that sort of to be dramatic. I mean, that game is over. So consequently, um, what what we see, what we recommend, what we work on is how can you get your customers to tell your story in social media instead of you telling your story in social media? Because increasingly, you telling your story in social media is going to fall on deaf ears. Uh, and, and that's just the way the world has unfolded. Because I think the thing we forget, Brian, is that Facebook, which also owns Instagram and WhatsApp and Twitter and LinkedIn and Snapchat and soon Pinterest, uh, every single one of those are public companies meaning that they have a fiduciary legal responsibility 
to maximize value to their shareholders. They have no responsibility to maximize value to you, the small and medium-sized business owner. And they will behave and proceed accordingly. It's going to be more and more and more and more and more and more expensive to play that game. Now, that's also happened in Google, right? I mean, the cost to do paid search advertising has gone up over time too. That doesn't mean that people don't do it. It just means that it's not you know, a a golden goose anymore. It's part of what you do, but uh, the costs are going to go up and same thing is true in social. So just like anything else, if you can get your customers uh, to be the head of your social media initiative, you're better off. Right. But you still want to be part of that conversation. You, you yes, so, so that when they, they can tag you in that photo, when they're at the cheesecake. Absolutely. Can, oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying you don't do it. I'm just saying you got to temper your expectations accordingly. Oh, right. And and I know you wrote an article and I'll, I'll make sure to include it in our show notes. You wrote an article, I think, last week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. about the real motivations of things. Right. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, what they want to do basically over the, the, I would say midterm, depending on how you think about terms, but over the next two years, um, is, is they, they really want to be the new email, right? They, they're mm-hmm. trying to use messaging, Facebook Messenger, uh, Instagram direct messages and WhatsApp, which they're combining those three things right. to, to be the, the tool that you use to communicate with each other, which has always been email's uh, responsibility. Right. And, and so they are moving from uh, from sort of the broadcasting form of social media, which is I'm a business, I put out a message and a bunch of people see it. They're moving away from that to what we would call the phone book style approach, where I'm going to create something and and only a specified number of people are going to see it. Uh, and that has a lot of opportunities as well. It's just a different opportunity than what we've had for the last six or seven years. Right. Very interesting, which makes word of mouth marketing and talk triggers that much more important for businesses. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I really believe the role of social now, at least at some level is, is to turn your customers into volunteer marketers. Like, I think that's, that's how you should think about it. Right. All right. We are now literally at the witching hour. This is fantastic. And, and it went so fast because there's so much great information in here. Jay, I want to thank you for being our guest today on the Small Business Edge podcast. The book, again, is called Talk Triggers, The Complete Guide to Creating Customers with Word of Mouth. You can find more information about Talk Triggers and infographics on talktriggers.com. You can see Jay's weekly show on YouTube where he gives you six minutes of um, pertinent, practical how-to information on Talk Triggers. You can also go to that URL, which is talktriggersshow.com. And, of course, you can buy the book, Talk Triggers, with the uh, – what is it? Alpacas on the front? Alpacas on the front. In fact, funny, funny story about that. So uh, a lot of people kept saying to us, oh, we love the llamas. We're like, oh, yeah. no, no, it's not llamas, it's an alpaca. So much so that if you go to talktriggers.com, you'll, you'll find this. Uh, <laughs> we have a, a – we commissioned a very – uh, awesome, in my estimation, infographic on the differences between llamas and alpacas. So if you're confused, as was yeah. I, uh, yeah. you can uh, you can sort that out as well. All right, good. Well, with two alpacas on the front and a nice uh, hot pink uh, cover, uh, look for it in uh, bookstores as uh, well as online. Uh, Jay Bear, it's been a real pleasure having you on. I hope that we have you on again in twenty at some point in 2019. Anytime. And uh, if people want to get uh, the way I find you is obviously just on Twitter. It's at Jay Bear, 
uh, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R. Any other way you want to share with people that they can get a hold of you? Uh, that's a good way. You can also uh, find our, our main website, convinceandconvert.com, where we have uh, 5,200 free articles for business owners and managers wow. uh, and uh, a network of three podcasts and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, it's all free. Go get it. Fantastic. All right, Jay, thank you very much for your time today. And to everyone else, I appreciate you listening to the Small Business Edge podcast. And we'll talk again next week. Enjoy the rest of your day. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bones. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.